Ron and Anian. 3D printing is to take us to the stars, and, and I can see it being used for manufacture of not just, you know, modern-day car parts, but antique car parts. Wow, there's no steering wheel. How do I steer? No, it's a self-driving car. Oh, I've never driven one of those before. You don't have to. The car drives itself. Awesome, awesome. The Car Doctor. Look, it's never a good idea on a late model vehicle to replace a battery without using a memory saver. You might be able to get away with it. You might not. We look at that. The car is driving home. Oh, as far as I'm concerned, I would never forfeit my control of the wheel. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. He always slips him in there at the last minute, folks. Ronnie and the car doctor. Start your engines. Hello, how are you today? 855-560-9900 is the phone number. You know, I forgot all about that Mighty Mouse. Um, uh, you the, forgot? How could yeah. you forget about oh, Mighty God, Mouse? That's classic, right? That's. I still remember in the 70s. Was it the 70s? Maybe it was the 80s with, um, oh, God, who was that? The comedian from Taxi, Andy Kaufman did uh, Mighty Mouse on Saturday Night Live. Remember that? And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was the whole skit, just mouthing the words to Mighty Mouse, and it brought down the house. So um, thank you, Tom. You made me laugh today. Um, this is The Car Doctor. My name is Ron and Annie. I've been doing this, oh, I don't know, 27 years or so. Um, we do have a website, cardoctorshow.com. You can get out to the Facebook page. Make sure you get out to the Facebook page today. We posted a story this morning uh, talking about how Volkswagen may share an electric vehicle platform with Ford. Are you telling me that at some point I may have to stop driving a Ford? Well, at some point, a Volkswagen and Ford get together, it won't matter. The car will just stop by itself. You won't have to stop <laughs> driving a Ford, um, you know, because I can't imagine, like, you know, this is like, oh, my God. Uh, you know, why? Ford was a perfectly good car company. Now we're going to bring Volkswagen into it? What's the story there? Well, what's funny is the picture, because if you look at it, it looks like a cross between Ford with with the rounded front. And a Volkswagen bus, right? And it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I. It it doesn't look. It looks cheesy. Is the word that I came up with in my mind. You know, I'm looking at a picture of it now, and uh, it's up on our Car Doctor Facebook page, Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. It just, you know, and I love the surfboards on top. And, uh, and you know, I didn't. I didn't see any key to wind it up on the back. So, I, Tom, you know, I think going forward, we're going to see so many twists and turns in the automobile business as they continue to try and make cars and and you know it's going to get back to they'll become transportation devices again and they're not going to care which way they go and who they step on and you know brand integration they're just trying to make cars that people want to buy you know you're talking electric cars and at one point you and i had talked you know if i buy a new escape it may have start stop on it yeah what what about the heat in those things because from my point of view, I go to places where it's 20 below zero in the wintertime, and I leave the car running so I have some place to go where it's warm. I don't think they'll, um, yeah, I mean, you make a good point, Tom. What about, you know what I was thinking about? And it's funny you say this, all right? And I'm not picking on them, understand. But how many times, I got I got this this week, they're, they're 
you know, the, the next street over from the shop is Azetti Street, where my old shop was located. They're redoing the gas line, and they're they're digging down, and they have to bring this nitrogen chucks in and trucks in and to cool the line, and they're digging through this 440-volt cable. It's one of those deals, you know. And they got cop cars there idling all day. Right now, the cop's got the car running. He's trying to stay warm, and, I mean, the cop car has to run. Is there going to be an override in a police car that it doesn't shut off at idle? That's a good question, but you know. But once again, if what if you're in a situation where you need to idle the right, car? Well, there and, are and, times. And, and to that point, you know, what if you're stuck in traffic in Wisconsin in in the winter? I think it gets cold in Wisconsin in the winter. Oh, just a little bit. And and you're stuck in traffic, and you got to stay warm. You got to have heat. I, you know what? Let's get the answer. Let's go over and talk to Kurt in Wisconsin. O2 Honda Civic and a slipping tranny. Kurt, welcome to the car doctor. You answer our question, then we'll answer yours. How cold does it get in Wisconsin in the winter? Well, last year, I think it was uh, with wind chills, like 20 below. Right. So are, aren't there moments where you're sitting in traffic on the highway and you got to have the heater running? Oh, yeah, you'd be uh, you'd be an ice cube in the back seat yeah, trying probably, to find a blanket. Probably have to set the inside of the car on fire. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Start-stop technology, where's it going to take us? Okay, turnabout's fair play. How can I help you today, Kurt? Well, I called you about my Honda Civic 2002 EX. Uh it's got that clutch problem, and I looked it up on carhistory.org, and it brings up all the recalls. Right. And it said there was quite a few recalls, and when I went to Honda, they said there was only like three. And But the thing is, it shows recalls and reports. And one of the reports is that tranny problem. Yeah, and that's and that's a very common that's a very common failure yeah, of the, the Honda. Third gear. Right, yeah, exactly. Third gear lubrication. They added an oiler to it. And uh, they recalled a lot of them. How many miles are on the car? Oh, I got 160. Yeah, and that's probably how they're getting out of it, right? They're saying it's beyond it's beyond time or beyond mileage. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just not going to happen. And then there's like three more reports on it. There's a bushing in the front seat that goes wacko because we thought it was just a, a connection to the floor, so we took it apart and put the bolts, made sure they were snugged up, just thinking that they were loose. And here I found out later, after doing research on it, it's the front bushing that goes bad in the front seat, so it, it rocks. Right, yeah. And that's another problem that, you know, hey, either you, <laughs> to get to the bushing and replace it, you might as well just replace the seat. Well, you got to replace all, you know, take all the stuff. Sure, off the side of it. absolutely, and right. and yet, and we right. don't we don't talk about this though. And I mean, I get it. It's 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 a you know what is it? Eighteen years old now. It's an eighteen year old car right. with one hundred sixty thousand miles on it. But it's yep. Yep. you know it's it's. Listen, I'll tell you one. I've got a oh what have I got? I think it's an O three. There's an O three Civic sitting at the shop. I looked at the cameras this morning. That was towed in, and I called the owner this morning because I wanted to know what happened. The bolt. And we re we tried to repair this about six or seven months ago, and I said, listen, it's it's dicey at best, but the Allen bolt that holds the dirt belt tensioner to the block, it's a steel bolt and an aluminum block. Oh, boy. Um, we tried to helicoil it. I said, I can't promise you how long it's going to last because the hole actually has physical damage. When the bolt pulled out on him, it actually, you know, took a chunk of aluminum with it, and there's not a lot there to work with. So he got six months out of it, and, you know, he, I, I can't say he got his money's worth. I've got a feeling I'm going to scrap this 03 Civic on Monday because it's an aluminum block, and it's just a poor design. How many people are driving these? And we're not talking about that. We're not complaining about that. That's a sin. Honda should be held to task for that. 
and and they're not. And I, you know, we seem to hold Honda on a pedestal in this country. And yeah, they're good cars, but they're far from perfect. And I think you're evidence of that yourself. Um, uh, you know, I, in, in what you're I, saying. I've got a. I put a Spectre air uh, air filter in it, and I don't know exactly. I, was, I just kind of wanted to, you know, um, do a tune-up on it, and I probably should have went OEM. And I've got a sensor light that goes on and off, and I, I get them to shut it to shut it off after, after with the reader on it, and it'll stay off for a little while. And then when I am uh, rev it up a little bit, uh, it it uh, comes back on. And what, what, what it came back was that sensor that's on that that box on the back where your charcoal is. You know what I mean? The filter thing. Right. Evap. What is an, an evap? Yeah, the code? evap light comes on, so it's not the tank. We right. All, you know what I mean? P zero four fifty seven. And then I've got it. It went off on its own. That's well, blasted my mind. I just. Well, because just, it's yeah, it's I, it's it's an intermittent glitch, and you know, right. and and the thing you have to keep in mind is, so if the light went on a month ago and it went off yesterday, that doesn't necessarily mean that the fault went away yesterday. That means that the car had to run two successive evaporative monitors, which could take a month, depending upon right. temperature, how much fuel is in the tank, how far you drive the car, where you drive the car, steady state of speed, etc. And after it passed the two monitors, it turned the light out. The code's probably still in there, and it's going to take some more successive turns of the key to get the light, to get the code to clear itself on its own. But you're you're seeing evidence of the car going through and passing its monitors or self-tests. So, uh, yeah. you know. So what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to put a trans in it? Well, I, the thing is, that's about the only option, other than probably making them stand up and say, hey, you know how many Hondas that have the same... Right transmission problem why it wasn't a recall on its own right yeah i agree well just remember. i had i had i had two volkswagen Scirocco's in the 80s they were 80s and uh some guy that was on another show said that they should have had a different badge on them because they left you on the side of the road more than, than you were in them when you were driving them you did well, more walking you did riding you know re re remember what um honda stands for and we'll leave it there do you know what? Do you know? Do you know what? Do you know what Honda stands for? No. Had one, never did again. So go oh, back. Wow. Call, call the wow. Honda. Call the Honda dealer up. Tell him you heard that here. So, uh, All right. like I said, they're good cars, but the company has this "we don't make mistakes" attitude, and we're perfect. And I don't agree with that. I think they've got as many problems as everybody else. And I think I think you know when listen. There's a reason we're driving Fords and Chevys in this household. Because you know it's 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 a lot of factors, and it's not just because I, I like fixing cars. Um, you know, it's it's there's a lot of things that go into a car purchase decision around here. And uh, you know what? I see a lot of issues with Honda. Honda probably unsettles me more than any car company because of their attitude, plain and simple. We had a caller. I'll tell you this quick story, and then I'm going to go. We had a caller about three years ago from Connecticut that had a problem with a brand new Accord, couldn't build enough heat. And the Honda dealer worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. The, the car never had heat. The car had less than 10,000 miles on it. And I'm, never, I'm, I'm still not quite sure what the end result was, but I actually got a phone call from Torrance, California, from corporate Honda, telling me I had to stop talking about Honda on the air because they didn't like the fact that I was saying Honda has a problem. You know what? 
Hondas break just like everything else. They put their pants on one leg at a time, and it's still an internal combustion engine with all the electronics that are attached to it. So I don't get it. I wish you well, Kurt. If there was something I could do for you, I would. But um, it sounds like you're going to end up putting a trans in that car if you want to keep driving it. Move on, brother. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's cruising back right after this. Don't call us. That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. Let's get on over and talk to Jason in Wisconsin. We have to come in loud and clear in, in the land of Wisconsin. Hey, Jason. Welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey there. Uh, yeah, right now I'm kind of in the mix of it, but uh, your girlfriend's car is a 2006 Pontiac GXT okay. uh, V8. And she's, she was having some problems for about a week where it was kind of stuttering, not really shifting gears properly in the first and second. It's an automatic with the paddle shift. Right. And uh, through reviews and talking to uh, mechanics and stuff, they said it's probably the shift solenoids. Yeah. Um, any, any dashboard lights on? Uh, there wasn't anything. No. Okay. All right. And and, um, and and what is it? You pull away from a stop sign, it'll, you know, if you leave it in drive, does it drive normally? If you manually shift it, it's no. an issue? No, no. It was, uh, she was, she was, the last scenario was she pulled out of the driveway, um, gave me a call, said she was the one shift back into gear. We pushed it into the driveway, tried it a couple, couple hours later, just went out there, just, you know, maybe miracles happen. Right. And, uh. It, it pulled up in the first gear, a um, couple feet, put it in reverse, it, it reversed, and put it back in the first, and it didn't go. Okay. Turned it off and on a couple times. It did it again like that, but then after the next shift change, um, nothing again. All right. So right now it's disabled in the driveway? Right now it's, uh, right now I've got it, I've been working on this pretty much all weekend, um, I've got, yeah, right now it's in the, in the garage. I've got basically everything off of it. I've just been, uh, working my way through the bolts to get the subframe off, um, to get that pan out. Right. I mean, I've, I've got the solenoids. Now, the one thing, um, that I was seeing was, you know, different, different transmissions is some of them have three solenoids, um, and, went to AutoZone and they said that there's there's just the one and it's a one to two to two to three to four or whatever. Right. Um and then also there's the other part, uh I can't even think of what it's called. Pressure control um, solenoid? I uh, I think so. Okay. Let me ask you this. All right. Before you go and I'm uh, you know, I guess you're more than halfway into getting the pan down. Yeah. But you know because of the electronic complexity of these cars today, uh-huh. next time, just do a code scan. Buy a scanner. Buy a code okay. reader. Okay. You know? Um, and I don't mean an OBD2. And, you know, there, there's a lot of used there's a lot of used scanners out on eBay. Right. All right? Okay. And, and you got to understand, when you're at the professional level where you're doing it for a living, 
you know, it's it's to the point now where it doesn't even pay to update a tool beyond three or four years. The platforms don't hold up. It seems like they're always coming out with the next better, best, whatever, and, you know, you're just going to get it. It's more efficient for the shop. You know, you're going to, as, as a vehicle owner, and if you want to work on it yourself, you're going to have to put, you know, 500 to to $1,000 aside to buy a used scan tool on eBay to get a right. couple of years out of it. And, right. you know, it's just like when we went down to the to Sears a million years ago, we bought Craftsman tools as kids. It's the same thing. It's 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 what it is. Um, right. You know, my concern here is before we get too deep and go look at shift solenoids and everything else, let's look at the simple stuff. How about a hairline crack in the filter? You know, filter's got to be able to draw fluid up. If it can't draw fluid up, it's not going to engage it and put it in gear. Right. Um, you know, now I'm I'm kind of thinking this is an internal trans fault beyond solenoids. Okay. But it's easy enough to check because you know when you when you get down to the pan you can you can start to you know look at the wiring harness, ohm out ohm out the solenoids and just make sure everything is 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 correct. I would have loved to have seen this done with a scan tool first just to see what sort yeah. of readings the computer's interpreting. <laughs> um, you you kind of jumped ahead of it. Uh, yeah, you know, and yeah, then time, time frame and yeah, and no, I get it. How, yeah. how, how many miles are on the car, Jason? I uh, I think she's got seventy five eighty on it. Maybe. Yeah, it's Kind of young for a trans, but yeah. I mean it. It can happen. You know what? My suburban was young at fifty-five, fifty-six thousand, and it puked the trans this year. So yeah. her, uh, her, her transmission fluid was was absolutely filthy. Um, she had she had been told by her oil change people um, to do a flush, but then she checked around, and people said, "Don't do a flush." When when she had the problem and I checked it, I'm like, it's black. Right. Yeah. 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 And it, you know, it it needs to be red. <laughs> and 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 now you're at the point where, you know, the fluid isn't the cause of of why it's not shifting, but it sure didn't help the trans internally. And it's it's, right. you know, um, yeah, yeah. That pan yeah. that pan had so much, debris, not debris, but just just fine fine grit in there. You right. know, just, just Right. It was dirty. Right. So keep going the direction you're going. I mean, the other option is you put it back together, take it to a trans guy, and let him run some pressure tests because that's really where you're at. You know, you're looking to see, um, you know, they can tap into the pressure ports and look to see what hydraulic pressure is inside the unit. But, um, you know, I think you've got to do this because I think you have to have the excitement to be able to yeah. say, honey, I, you know what, I did this. And it isn't this. Um, no, no, you know, we, yeah, um, just, just all, looked at all these things, and I was like, let's let's just tackle right. this. Let's let's try and go for something simple, and it's not so simple. You know, one thing yeah. about working on your own cars, it teaches you you don't want to work on your own cars. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's let's do that and try and make Mama happy, and we'll kind of take it from there. Jason, I got to go. I'm up against the clock. Let us know what happens. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, back right after this. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter, getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way.
back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Let's go over and talk to James in Virginia, 98 Jeep Cherokee. James, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Uh, I got a 98 Jeep Cherokee, and I can't get the electric uh, radiator fan to come on. Okay. Um, when the engine's getting hot or when you're using the air conditioning or both? Uh, it, it doesn't come on at all. Now, I've done a direct test on it, and it'll, it works. All right. So the fan's good. And I've swapped out the relays. Okay. And uh, it still doesn't work. Checked all the fuses. All right. Well, there's two. There's two fuses involved here. Fuse ten, and fuse five. Um, okay. One's in the one's in the junction block, battery junction block, and the other one's in the PDC under the hood. Um, they're both good. Yes. Okay. So when you pull that relay out, you've got the. You sh I'm just going to ask the dumb questions because this is a real simple circuit. This is this is two hots, a ground. And signal gets tripped by the PCM, so there's 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 just not a lot here, um, you know. So when you pull that cooling fan relay out of the power distribution center under the hood, you know you should have a hot at two pins, uh, you know, hot and run. When one's going to be hot and run, one's going to be hot all the time. So leave the key on. Um, you should have a hot at the white. You should have a hot at the light green red. Uh, the the other side of that is going to be ground, and the other one's the feed going down to the fan, the light blue. Okay, well, I uh, I can't tell without taking that box totally apart, I guess. Right, but if you got four pins, here, let's do it like this. Right. You got four pins, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, and usually you can tell by looking at the relay. It's a little hard to explain over, over air, but, you know, you got four pins. One's gonna one's got one's got to be a ground. One is ground one hundred. It's going to the left side of the fender. All right. Uh, you know that's got to be a ground. The other two have to be a hot. If you leave the key in the on position and go in there with a voltmeter, two pins have to be hot. When you find the hots, take the other leg of the voltmeter, disconnect it from the ground you're using, and use that. Turn it into a probe and probe for ground. If you can't produce battery voltage. Or, 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 you know, 12.2 or 12.5 volts. If, it's, if you're doing this, I would tell you to do this with the key on, engine off. Um, using one of those pins as ground, then something's wrong. You're proving something's wrong in the wiring. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just that simple. So, uh, you know, because once you prove you've got two hots at the relay, you know, you got both your hot legs coming off the fuses are hot, and you've got your ground, then the PCM isn't turning the relay on for whatever reason. Do we have a broken wire? Do we have a bad PCM? Do we have a bad well, connection? We got a temperature sensor switch too that uh, goes into the thermostat housing. Correct. Okay, I've replaced that one, and uh, but I, I guess maybe I need to check the wires here. I think it's supposed to have five volts coming out of the PCM. Correct. Five volts coming out of the PCM where? On the coolant temperature sensor? Yes. Well, we don't, for right now... Well, no, it'd vary. I'm sorry, it'd vary. Right, but, 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 but right now, and listen, right now you're looking at an input. I'm looking at the control side. Okay. All right? Okay. I want to know, I want to know, does this circuit have the ability to turn on? All right? And, you know, it's, I get where you're going, but let's just you know let's let's you, you swap the relay. I'll use you, I'll use your 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 diagnosis. Okay, you okay. swap you swap the relay. Why'd you swap the relay? Because it's a common failure, right? Well, that's that was uh, 
It was a simple thing to do. Right. Okay. So so now that you know where the relay is, how much how much more complicated is it? What's more complicated? Figure out the voltage signal coming out of the PCM and get down to the PCM and start measuring that, or go back to where the relay sits in the in the power distribution box and look for two hots in the ground. I do two the two hots and a ground, two hots yeah, and a ground right. brother. I'm lazy. All right, I got enough to do. Uh, you know, I'd rather look for two hots in the ground. Do you have a wiring diagram? Uh, yeah, I got one in a Haynes manual. It's uh, uh, I don't think it's all that great, but there, there's one there. You, you, you got a computer? Can you send me an email? Uh, yeah, I do. I won't be able to do it today. Yeah, it's okay. Send me an email, Ron at CarDoctorShow dot com. Let me get your wiring diagram, and I'll send it out to you. I can PDF it to you. At least you got something to follow then. All right. Okay. You know, because right. wiring diagrams are the roadmap. Um, I'm I'm kind of thinking you've probably got a broken ground wire or a rusted ground wire or a rusted connection uh, on the left fender well. You know, that was uh, that was that, yeah. This this vehicle's almost got three hundred thousand on it. Yeah. How did and I know? <laughs> probably half of that's off road. Yeah. Right. I know. That's what I mean. I live on a farm. Yeah. How how did I know? Right. You know, it's yeah. as soon as I saw the call on my screen, I told Tom. I said. That's so a th- yeah, I said it's 21 years old. I said, this is a 300,000-mile vehicle. I literally said that. I'm not kidding. Um, you know, if I could buy another brand new one just like that, I would. Right. Kind of makes you wonder why they did away with that. And it's probably the 4.0, right? It's probably the inline yeah. 6. Yeah. Good engine. Yeah. Great engine. Yeah, they were, they were bulletproof. Um, you know, guys out there tell me they go through head gaskets. I've never seen it. I did very few head either. gaskets on those. Yeah, they, you know, I changed coolant on all my customer vehicles at a regular interval. And I think I think that clearly helped. But you know what? I think the reason Jeep stopped making that engine and that transmission is because they wanted to get into selling engines and transmissions because those two were just such a reliable combination. They didn't break. Uh, like you know. They wanted to sell cars. Or yeah, what they, did. they wanted to sell cars. Is right. You're absolutely right. So, but um, do that. Send me uh, send me an email, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. I'll get a wiring diagram out to you, and at least then you got something to look for, and you can kind of just verify the relays. And we'll, we'll we'll take it from there. All right, kiddo? Okay, I appreciate it. You're very welcome, sir. You have a good rest of the day. Um, 855-560-9900. Ron and Amy, the car doctor. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Ron's number handy, 855-560-9900, for when you really need advice on your car. Here's Ron. Hey, welcome back. Let's get on over and talk to Steve in New Jersey, 2000 Ford Ranger. Steve, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help? Hi. Uh, yeah, I've got this, this 2000 Ford Ranger, and, and it's, uh, it's, got, it's showing problems with probably needing a head replacement or both heads right. replaced on it. Wh- it's a, which it's engine, a, a which engine is this, Steve? It's it's the uh, six cylinder 4.0. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, you need an engine. Trust me. Um, how many? Yeah. How many miles are on it? Oh, it's got one hundred and fifty six thousand yeah. miles on so, it. So, and if it, if it needs heads today, it's going to need timing chain cassettes next week. So, um, either either way, you likely need an engine. So, your question to me is? Yeah, it has to do with the Frankenstein surgery. Uh, what I wanted to know is, in two thousand one, they they started with the single overhead cam. This one still has the dual overhead cam. Single overhead cam, I, I know, is a much more efficient engine. Yep. Is it possible for me to transplant a uh, 
single overhead cam engine into this uh, 2000. I've never seen it done. Doesn't mean it can't be done. Um, you're talking about doing going from a four-liter dual overhead to a four-liter, what we call the four-liter sock motor, single overhead cam. The problem is the 4.0 single overhead cam had its issues also. You know, I mean, mechanically, it wasn't it wasn't the best swap in the world. You know what what really? I'll, what I'll tell you is out there. Well, as a matter of fact, Carpenter Bob's Ranger. You've been talking about Carpenter Bob's Ranger. He got a quarter million miles out of his 2003 Ranger XLT four wheel drive, and he's got a four liter sock motor. And the timing chains came apart, and he's done. He's going to be getting a. We're we're converting and putting together a '99 or 2000 Chevy Astro van for him. We hope to finish it up this week to get him back on the road in a van. But, you know, that, that whole lineup, you know, you get to a point of mileage. I mean, yeah, it's a quarter million miles. Um, yeah. You know, it's not unreasonable. He got, he got good use out of it, but it's just not, it's not a, I don't think it's a 500,000-mile engine without, you know, some, some pulling it out and rebuilding it from time to time, for lack of a better way to put it. Uh, yeah. You know, let me, well, ask, I, let me I, ask you this. Are you finding a used engine? Is that what you're after? Um. A rebuild, yeah. Um, I'm looking at I'm looking at a couple of different possible sources, right? Um, and, but I, I just, um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying to figure out whether it's worth it to put that kind of money into it or not. The body is good, but but, uh, um, and I I had a, a Ford Ranger that I bought new, and it went over to uh, it was actually over two hundred thousand miles on it when I had a very unfortunate crash where some guy pulled right out in front of me as I was driving on the highway. Right. And uh, he got the ticket I did, and it was his fault, but in, yeah. my car. But you, my you, you, right, you lost the car. I, right, yeah, yeah I, I get it. That's but, that's the part that stands. But I have, to say that, <clears throat> I have to say that the engine was running great up until then. I yeah. Mean, it was, and I think it was the, <clears throat> the single overhead cam factor right. that, that, that was doing it for me. That's why I thought maybe if I had to you know, spring for another engine, I should try for it. Well, and, and, and like you said, you got the two hundred thousand. See, Bob got the two fifty, and that's where it ended for him. Not going to be that way that's for probably, everybody. That's probably but, where I was going if that guy hadn't pulled out in front of me. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I think what you've got to look at is okay. Um, first thing I would do is I would look to see. Obviously, they don't make Rangers anymore, um, and I'm yeah. a I'm a Ranger aficionado. I've got a ninety seven with two hundred and eighteen, two hundred fifteen thousand miles on it. You know, little two-wheel, yeah, little. They're, yeah. they're just great little trucks. Um, yeah. You know, it's just the the issue you got to think about is it's 19 years old. Um, right. You know, it's getting a little tougher to get some parts. You know, Ford's not making a lot of the pieces anymore. They're making some of it, not all of it. And yeah. you know, where do you want to go with older technology? You know, I think the thing that I tell everyone to look at is what are you going to use it for. Are you going to commute from New Jersey to California three times a year? That's probably not the vehicle I'd want to do with it. If you're right. going to, if you're going to use it on a farm, and you know plant blueberries in New Jersey, then that's probably the vehicle because it's always close to home and it's always within an arm's reach of the mechanics should it need to be repaired. But well, I, that's I, sort of the use I have. Okay, that's sort then of what's going on with me. And yeah. you know, if it's a farm vehicle and it's still got some good life left in the rest of it, and the drivetrain is good. Think of it like this. Go talk to your mechanic. Pick an engine. You know, he'll probably tell you to put a Jasper in it. Jasper's been, they've gotten better. They've still got some issues, but I think as a national engine chain, Jasper is still probably one of the top guys out there. So you're going to put a Jasper engine in it. It'll probably, as a guess, cost you 3500 to five grand by the time you're done. Um, you, you can't get a vehicle for 5Gs or 3500 You You know, you'll end up, 
you know, you'll have something with the same engine. So if the same engine goes another 150,000 miles, you're really going to have the truck in another 19 years? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So before we start creating Frankenstein and, and reviving the dead and making a bigger project out of it, here, put the same engine back in it. While it's out, let's do the trans. Let's get it over with. 150,000 miles. It'll be easier. That'll cost you another two grand, 2,500 bucks. 7,500, 8,000 dollars. I think that's the number you got to go by. You know, you're you you've got most of the drivetrain replaced. Here's what you've got to think about, okay? Because here's the snake in the wood pile. And I just went through this with Bob over the summer because he thought about changing the engine back in his truck. And I said, Bobby, we can do all this. You know, it's 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 7,500 dollars. Um, if the car needs catalytic converters, because they're they're getting up there, it's two hundred. He had two fifty on it. You got one fifty on it, so you're headed into it. He's definitely there. You're going to put cats on it. Real cats from Ford aren't available. You got to think aftermarket cats are still going to be another fifteen hundred dollars. Because I think there's three cats on Bob's truck. I'm thinking there's the same on yours. You know, it's it's where does it end? Listen, yeah. it's it's Stevie. It's all doable. It's it's all great ideas. Where does it end? All right? It's it's yeah. it's, it's kind of like dating somebody that's not really your type. You know what? <laughs> they're 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 a great cook and they're fun to look at, but they got the highest pitched squeaky voice that makes you want to run screaming from the room. It just isn't going to work long term. So how much do you want to put up with? And that's you know, it's is it just easier to go down to the Ford store and say, hey, I want a new truck. It's going to be this much money, or I'm going to go buy a new Ranger or a used Ranger that's only, I think they stopped making them in 2011 or 2012. I'm going to go buy yeah. a used Ranger. It's going to be $12,000. I'll have my mechanic go through it, brakes, tires, hoses, whatever. I'll drive it another three, four, five years, and then I'll retire and go to Florida and leave the blueberries to the next guy. Um, you know, it's... Cars are like life, man. It's how much do you want to put up with and, and, and deal with. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's worth the price of admission to get a quality of lifestyle. All right, sir? I think that's a good answer. I, I really appreciate your help. You're that. very Thanks. welcome, Stevie. Good luck to you, and uh, I hope you make a good decision. I hope it works out for you. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. You know, Ron, we've got one more thing on our list, and I really want to hear the story about that 11 long-haired friends of Jesus in a chartreuse microbus. But, Tom, it, 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 it's not Jesus. It was Jesus. Oh, I'm disappointed. So you want to hear the story? Well, well, listen, you might be right, and I'm not, I'm not kidding. You know, we clown around a lot, and we still talk about fixing cars. So, you know, there are moments we're all human. And, you know, you, you talk to God a little bit, okay? Not not to make this, we're not becoming a, a religious show, but, you know, it was around Monday this week, Monday, Tuesday, where I said, you know, God, I haven't seen a lot of brake work lately, and I'm getting a little worn out on doing drivability day in and day out. I said, I could use some brake work, all right? I said, the mistake I made was I didn't say, God, give me an easy brake job. I said, I could use some brake work instead of doing check engine light diagnosis, you know, the little prayers you say in the back of your head driving home at night. The next day, Jesus called. Maybe it is Jesus. And, you know, I never, I didn't think of it till just now, but I, I swear to God, well, I can't say that, but, well, you get it. Jesus called up. His Toyota had this brake problem that the brakes felt funny. 
and he's a he's a I, I believe he's a minister or a preacher. He's driving to Mexico in two weeks. He's got a youth ministry down there, and he's he he needs reliable brakes in his 08 Toyota um, Tundra. Turns out the brake pads were stuck on all the caliper slides, and it was just something complicated but simple at the same time. And you know, it just makes you wonder: Jesus, Toyota, brakes, God. Who knows what's out there? Just makes you wonder and makes you think about it. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.